Welcome once again to another episode of Leading Edge Interviews, where we get to know a little more about the artists who are making all the modern and classic progressive rock and metal that you can hear on The Expanse daily. For your host, Super Dave, I am very happy to say that I got once again a chance to talk with the inimitable Cody Lee Ford of Sewin. Their super talented guitar player was kind enough to give me some time to sit down, talk to me a bit about their tour, both the most recent and their upcoming tour of the U.S. in the spring, as well as their writing process and his process of crafting guitar solos and his influences, and of course, their newest album, Memorial, that came out in September. As always, I enjoy my conversations with Cody, and I think you'll enjoy this one too. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Cody Lee Ford of Sewin. So how are things up there in the Great White North? <laughs> things are good. I slept in my own bed for the first time in two and a half months last night. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, you guys have been uh, some heavy-duty touring this year, haven't you? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty heavy since uh, since COVID eased up. Yeah, we had you know. I think it was like that for a lot of bands. You had so many tours canceled throughout the years, and then you had to kind of catch up with everything. And uh, even when we worked, you know, we would maybe have like a month off at a time. Right. So even when we weren't touring, we had to take that time to work on a new album or record the new album or whatever, you know. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. That was, this is the start of a first proper break for us so that's nice yeah which is amazing because i feel like i mean it's been almost a year at this point but it seems like i just saw you guys down in baltimore and somewhere along the line you toured almost ceaselessly and put out an album at the same time <laughs> so i'm like how challenging was that to be able to do all that at the same time yeah yeah it's um it's a nonstop job, pretty much. I mean, you have to every every chance you get, you got to be working on music. Um, and, but I spent a lot of time last last summer. Well, I spent most of my summers in Sweden nowadays because it's uh, yeah the festival it's festival season, right? So right, you're playing shows, you know, once or twice every weekend, kind of thing throughout the summer. So it doesn't make sense for me to fly back to Canada. I hear that. So, so I just uh, I hang out in Sweden and we uh, stayed at Martin's place and and just worked on the on the new record for like eight hours a day whenever I was whenever I was there. And uh, and then yeah, you know, anytime we had on the tour as well, which is very tough to do because you're like pretty exhausted most of the time. Right. But we'd set up, uh, you know, a laptop and work on the demos and everything. So, so yeah, lots of work happening all the time. Yeah, that that's the amazing thing that I hear all the time at this point is is that whole idea of people working and recording on laptops almost as much as, if not more than, in studios these days. That that's quite an amazing shift and I, mm. I I gotta figure a lot of it was definitely forced by COVID but I'm not sure uh, but you know we may have already been trending that way but COVID just made it <laughs> that much more necessity and at yeah. the end of it people went hey I can just do this screw the studio yep yeah I mean you're, you're right I mean we were trending towards it I think people had been um, <clears throat> recording on their laptops for, for quite some time but uh, for us personally, as a band, like we, we, <clears throat> we were kind of uh, let's say technological noobs. <laughs> we didn't really know what the hell we were doing on on laptops, but um, but when COVID happened, it kind of forced me to get the necessary equipment and learn how to how to use it. And uh, so we recorded Imperial that way. It was like pretty much everybody just doing their parts at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the guys in Sweden were able to <clears throat> to hook up and, and, and work together, but, um, but now, yeah, I mean, especially in the music business nowadays, there isn't as much money thrown at you to record an album. So you, 
Yeah, you need to find ways to, to make things cheaper on yourself. And so one of the best things to do is, you know, if you're savvy at recording your guitars uh, at home, which is what I do now, uh, save you a shit ton of time in the studio, right? <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, studio time is, is really expensive. Um, but nowadays, most bands are just recording their guitars di and then if you want to reamp, you know, send that DI signal through an actual amp in the studio, you can do that after. Some bands are using plugins. There's lots of different options, but um, yeah, I mean, you can do so much at home now. So pretty much we do everything at home, except for the vocals and the drums and all the extra production and shit like that. Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's an amazing world we live in right now in that sense. And it's, and it's great because, you know, if we did not have that, I guess during COVID, uh, a lot of it would have just been shut down completely. Nobody would have done anything. Yeah. Except yeah. That had their own studios maybe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, um, I mean, I, I speak for, for most musicians that I know, um, when COVID happened, I think there was this idea like, well, at least this gives me time to actually work on music and record some music. <laughs> and uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think many people were as productive as they wanted to be during COVID. <laughs> um, you kind of realize that uh, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to be, it was hard to be productive in such a time. Yeah. Because it's uh, there's nothing really inspiring you that much, so it's 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 a lot of work to just sit there and work on stuff. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad we got shit done. It was it saved my saved my sanity. <laughs> so let's talk about Imperial a little bit because that's not Imperial, Memorial. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Um, what a great album, you know. Like I I've been really enjoying that, and it seems you guys on one hand have have really crystallized your voice as a band at this point you can hear that level of consistency both in production and composition and sound that it goes okay this is definitely sewing hmm. and and you've as a band found that individual voice and at the same time it feels to me like there are parts of this album where you guys are stretching yourselves outside of what you did before you're building upon that and and going a little bit in different directions uh am i hearing correctly what 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 are your thoughts on that yeah for sure i mean we i mean i guess since lotus we've kind of been trending in in um in a direction that is maybe um a little bit less like the 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 the, the first couple of albums i mean they they're they're more proggy definitely progressive metal and i think now we kind of border in between the progressive metal and just metal i mean it's um and it's just kind of where we are where our headspace is at the moment i think we're not just composing for the music where we're composing because we're also, we're also a, a live band and we love to play songs live. Right. Um, but we're also, there's a different mindset where we just want to, um, sort of serve the song and like cut anything out that isn't really serving the song. Um, and so, you know, the songs maybe get a little bit shorter, a little bit more to the point, but it's, it's not an easy thing. What I've discovered is like just writing songs like this, it's not easy. Yeah. It's actually easier to write these progressive eight minute, minute songs <laughs> because you can just throw in a bunch of parts and it's, you know, it becomes this kind of journey and it sorts itself out kind of thing, but it's a really get a full idea out there in four or five minutes um 
and have every part of the song be very strong with the melodies and the transitions and the groove and, and the you know just just the sound it's it's quite difficult it's quite difficult so it's a it's been a new kind of challenge for us but we've really we've really loved composing songs in this way and uh i mean it's always kind of carries this undertow of like this is so and this is you hear it and it's it's it sounds like so and but like you said yeah there's there's always a bit of evolution with 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 each album and that always starts with joel um every album he's taken his vocals to the next level he's been able to do things with his vocals that he hasn't been able to do on previous records so when i think of imperial he's or when i think of lotus i think of you know the part in martyrs where he does that uh beautiful like falsetto uh head voice kind of thing and in imperial i think of just the fact that he's hitting these he's hitting notes that were far outside his range before and then in this album in memorial he's using new techniques i mean he's just he's adding a bit of rasp to his voice to make mm-hmm. things even more distorted and, and heavier and aggressive and uh <clears throat> and then we're just kind of evolving around that as well yeah. yeah it's funny you you anticipated one of the questions i had on my mind that i was going to ask about was was joel stretching himself and his his vocal and you hit it right rasp grit i was looking for a good word to describe it that mm-hmm. there is that because he's always had a very and i love it a very smooth delivery and and not quite a deep voice but in that range i'm not i'm not i don't remember tenor bass baritone whatever that stuff is mm-hmm. but he's always had i think this very nice and smooth delivery um and typically didn't go into much of the uh more um oh i forget the term now darn it um i'll get it later uh fry there we go the vocal oh, fry kind mm-hmm. of range or, or anything like that and yet I mean, as soon as I heard the chorus with Unbreakable, immediately I went, well, wait a minute. That's a little different than I'm used to hearing on a Sullen song. Like, I know he can hit the notes. I mean, mm-hmm. to this day, that that midsection, especially at the end of it in Martyrs, just the whole thing gives me chills. Like the whole drum build up and the, you know, the little quiet. And then eventually he hits that high note. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely love it. And then I hear these little different styles he's throwing in in this album, and I'm going, "Cool, you know, like it, it's because as as much as I love the so and sound, at the same time, if you guys just churned out exactly the same stuff all the time, right. there's a there's a danger of becoming stale. Yeah, um, and the fact that there's that awareness on his part and on your part and the band's part to say, "Hey, let's make sure we're not hitting a rut and just living there." You know, and that even if your songs aren't eight minute long, to me, that's in and of itself a progressive approach. Totally. Yeah, 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 exactly. A progressive approach is a good way of putting it. Um it's uh it's interesting how how people sort of label music, um, especially using the word progressive. There are some people that think that um you know we aren't as progressive anymore and then some people that think we are more progressive just because of uh our ability to evolve yeah um but for us it's important yeah we don't want to churn out the same records all the time there has to be some sort of element of, of evolution and <clears throat> i think we're, we're in a good space right now i mean we we finished the record and I will say that usually when you finish a record, you've been working on it for months. Yeah. Uh, do you ever listen to it again? <laughs> I mean, for most bands, I would probably assume, I don't know, maybe a few times, but like for, for us, it was just, you know, with Lotus Imperial, we were very, very proud of them. Um, but I don't think I've ever listens to the music again is you it's just you know you're playing it live too all the time right um 
and you were just so immersed in it and you there, there's always like little things that maybe you're not super satisfied with you know as perfectionists right and and then you know you you release it you tour it you just kind of move you're moving on to the next thing all the time um but with this record it's different i mean we we finished it and we've listened to it as a band a bunch of times i mean we were on tour when we got the 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 final mix back and we just we were listening to it i think we were doing a tour in mexico and we were just listening to it driving in between mexican cities and just being like this fucking rips and we were just there was a sense of of pride in that van and we would listen to it you know after the show uh, in the in the green room and we'd invite some fans to get a sneak peek and um yeah i mean everybody was just really really proud of it we we, we love the mix we we just think that um you know the, the vision we had that uh, you know came to light and and that's a really nice thing just to be satisfied and uh and 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 yeah so 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 now we're just playing this this shit live and um gauging how how everybody is is reacting to it and it's it's been phenomenal honestly that the, the crowd is the crowds have really really loved the new songs and they're singing to all the words nice and we have like a different palette of people in the crowds now lots of that's wonderful um lots of kids and stuff too well you know they can't all be old heads like me yeah 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 <laughs> it, doesn't i mean everybody is is so welcome welcomed and appreciated but yeah when you have a family of uh you know kids just like in the front row i mean it's a special thing so that's awesome so it's it's reaching a a wider audience which is really cool yeah well, i'm glad for that that's and it's it's an album very deserving of that because again not just with joel and not just some of the other things i mean like like you guys have basically what i feel like a i don't want to say it's the first time <clears throat> but i think in the way they feel because like things that i would have maybe called ballads and some of your other albums were just more like mellower songs but they always kind of had this i don't know how to describe it like a more of a mystical mellow philosophical slightly melancholy tone but mm-hmm. you have some things on this album now that are a little I guess for lack of a better term, prettier, um, yeah. you know, like, like vitals, you know, the pianos and stuff It's starting out the beginning. And I'm always kind of curious because when that's going on, I, I wonder for you, how does that impact your approach to adding guitars into that? Cause I know, I don't know, I guess I would suspect in some ways if there's this really nice, pretty piano melody, Mm-hmm. you know, there might be, I don't know, hesitation of putting too much in, you know, yeah. and making sure you complement it. So I, I, I'm curious, like your thought process when it comes then to you putting your parts in. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, for, for, for songs like that, um, and I'll say that, uh, vitals is, I think is one of actually my, favorite so and songs of all time wow. and it's um that's actually a, a brain baby of lars and you did a lot of work on that song and um <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean it's it's really important to to have a song like that and the bare bones is already there and so you just need to you just need to add exactly what it needs. I mean, songs are like a, a cookie recipe, right? I mean, you can't put too much butter. You can't put too much flour. You can't put too much sugar. It's got to be the right the right amount of of everything for it to turn out the way it should. <clears throat> and a song like that, um, it demands a lot of space and ambience. You don't want to shit all over the song, you know. 
and it goes for all of us right you know especially the drums i mean martin martin is at a he's a legend in his own right and i think most people will say that because of his prowess but right. a big part of um of his genius is playing drums on a song like that right the way he just lays back and he lets the song do the talking you know um i think it's hard for drummers especially ones that are very technically advanced to do that kind of thing and actually play with feel so um so yeah it's and the, the ballads on the record um all require that sort of mindset and um in a lot of ways they're harder to they're harder to compose than the heavier songs because the heavier songs is just like this riff goes into this riff right goes into this riff you know <clears throat> for this it's more of like what can we put on the song that is unnoticeable but still serves the song you know it's still there it's like creating something in the background um so it's a tricky thing yeah yeah no doubt and and you guys pulled it off like really really well and and in that sense that's to me where i think they picked the right guy for their lead guitar because one i mean as much as this album's getting these strong reviews vitals is one of the ones that stands out other ones that stand out um Tragedian, I think I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one, the guitar solos, really, really awesome. And on that one, I can hear more than a lot of the songs that clear David Gilmore influence. And I know he's uh, one of your, um, you know, one of your influences in the background. There, you you can hear it a lot of times here and there. Just the way the lick is hit and the way it's mm-hmm. in there, and the spacing. And the way you use restraint to build on the song without, you know, overflowing it, without dominating it. But, and then you got a song like Fortress, and oh my God, the solo that set air guitars in motion worldwide, I think, on that one, that was absolutely kick ass. <laughs> so you've got that range there. And it kind of dawns on me, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, this is, you know, third time I've talked spoken to you and i i can't recall that we've really talked about your influences as a guitar player like who are the ones that you tend to look to past and present mm-hmm. you know, that that are inspiring your style <clears throat> yeah yeah well of course we've we've touched on gilmore um gilmore to me when it comes to just playing with uh with soul let's say um to me it just transcends the soul thing i mean playing with soul i mean there's lots of guitar players that play with soul but uh he has this way of playing that speaks to the human condition somehow in a way that it just touches on the way we feel um sadness or or empathy or uh that anger or something that is inside you or that sorrow that just like wants to scream out of you that is impossible to put into words so he's always had this thing when i listen to his playing like when i listen to the guitars the the solos on a song like sorrow it just sounds like he is fucking screaming from his for very deep inside you know and it's just this like otherworldly thing i mean it just just the way it it just that there's some sort of sympathetic resonance that happens in your body when you hear stuff like that that maybe your body hasn't felt before and so like when i when i yeah, uh, when I'm writing solos that that need 
that, that um, you know, need to be emotional, I guess, naturally, the, the Gilmore influence kind of comes out because um, that's just what makes me feel something. Yeah. It's his playing. <clears throat> but when it comes to uh, the more technical and shredly type of stuff, I mean, you know, when you're a teenager and you're in your room for like seven hours a day, I was watching, uh, I'll say Paul Gilbert was a big one. Um, you know, Van Halen was a big one. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones for me actually was Alexi Leto, Children of Bodom. Uh, I, I would get home from school every day and <laughs> my brothers and I, we had like three or four concert DVDs. One was like Judas Priest. One was like a Black Label Society one. One was a Sonata Arco one, I think. And then the other one was Children, Children of Bodom, Live in Stockholm. And we must have watched that DVD a thousand times. Yeah. So, so Alexi was a huge, huge influence on me. And um, I loved his playing. Loved his playing. But I mean, in the present day now, I mean, there's so many fucking ridiculous guitar players i mean i scroll instagram for two seconds and i just want to put that shit in the garbage because fuck me man i mean there's so much talent out there now yeah um what i really like what's you know some of these new age guys that play with a lot of feel like uh, mateus asado huh. uh, just thinking him when you said youtube as well as what's that i was just thinking of him when you said youtube yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just amazing. And I, yeah. he, he deserves, I mean, he is like the Instagram guitar player. And I think a big reason for that is, you know, he's keeping feel alive. Right. In, in guitar playing. There's like a million shredders out there now. Right. It's, it's cool, but it doesn't really oppress me anymore. I don't really care to listen right. to it. I, I get inspired by it to you know if, if you look at guitar as like some sort of a, a sport it inspires you to um get to the next level sure but uh <clears throat> there's some things that are way harder to learn and it's when it comes to not playing with with a certain feel and and, and soul and yeah Mateus asado and chris buck Somebody like Derek Trucks. Um, these kind of players, I think, are are the ones I gravitate to. No, yeah. there, there's a lot to be said, and I've said it many times, for <clears throat> restraint over unbridled shredding. Um, they both have their place, uh, but I think sometimes it might be actually harder to really play with good, solid and restraint and to be able to craft something that's not just impressive in its technicality but memorable in its writing so to speak mm -hmm. For <clears throat> pardon me and you know like it's it's easy to lose track of that but when you think back like a lot of the solos out there that are that have become like the ones that are renowned mm -hmm. and remembered are, aren't aren't necessarily the blistering ones and yet one of the top ones of all time is going to be from comfortably numb it's what everybody's going to go back to yeah and it's not because it's overly technical or or something like that but because it is that memorable and has that much feel to it you know so yeah. we're looking at you Ingve. um <laughs> so that i always pick on him um yeah, yeah. he's the poster child for how many notes a second so yeah, but I will say, I mean, you know, Ingve is uh, an influence on mine, on me, yeah, because of his technique. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the way he plays fast. I mean, there's like certain sequences and stuff that, you know, if you're just gonna alternate pick it, it's fucking impossible. But he's like figured out these um, super cool ways of playing these passages that use 
economy picking, sweet picking, sort of selective picking, this kind of shit. Yeah. And uh, that's why I love Yingbei. Yeah. But uh, but I know what you mean. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I, I I love the guy. I think he's fucking awesome. But I don't listen. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel inspired to listen to his music as much as I would Pink Floyd. Yeah. No, his his talent is absolutely undeniable, as is his ego apparently. So I got to mess with him a little bit at the very least. But yeah, I mean, like you can't. He's that well known because he's that good, oh, and, yeah. and he did things that people hadn't seen done before. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But God, I wish he had one more speed. Just. <laughs> <laughs> um. And and by the way, among those positive reviews I've seen for Memorial in particular are at least one reviewer in particular taking um, some time to emphasize his call for more Cody. So, oh. so there you go. Somebody's like, you know what? We need more of what he's doing. Let him do more. <laughs> I do enough. There you go. Well, we... I'll, I'll find that one and send it to you next time. You know, you can talk to the guys about the. No, but it's uh, it's it's flattering yeah. that um, that people like what I do. I mean, it's uh, coming into this band. It was you know I had big shoes to fill. Yeah. This was an incredible player, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, I mean this the Sony fan base is just amazing. I mean, yeah. they really are, and they're always pumping up and embracing every member of the band and they shout they shower us with so much love and then gifts when we see them and everything and so uh it just feels like a family and it's amazing it's it's just a bonus that they actually like what i'm throwing down that's so cool um speaking of other things you guys did differently this time around um unless i missed it somewhere along the line i don't recall you guys doing much with guest vocalists and here we have Elisa mm-hmm. jumping in and helping out with the song. How did you guys make that connection? How did that happen? Yeah. So when we were writing hollowed, um, we knew we felt in the later stages that it needed something to bring it to the next level. And we thought a, a, a guest female vocalist would be fantastic. We had a bunch of ideas. Some of them just fell through, and or some of them, um, you know, for example, be one of our first ideas because she's on the same label as us was Ann Wilson. Yeah, well. But right around the time we came up with that idea, I think she had uh, done a guest spot on a Disturbed song. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so we thought, okay, maybe. <laughs> they they did it so right right let's look elsewhere and um our tour manager slash uh booking agent francesco cabico is uh is italian and he's worked with elisa before and so yeah that connection and he says what about her and uh we thought wow she she's incredible um you know she's a lot of her stuff is almost more almost like operatic almost and joel is actually a huge opera fan (laughs) and so right away we thought this could be really good this could be really good and um and yeah i mean i we didn't really know what to expect but she just she killed it on that song and she sings with this there's a rawness in her voice on that track just this raw stripped down just pure emotion that that fit the the, the track perfectly in her, in her voice i mean also blends so well with joel's right uh we were we were so happy with the result yeah nice when all that hard work pays off especially when you're doing it in the midst of other hard work like touring and all that that's just like i said that's an amazing thing to me that you know we're in a world where bands can be making new music and a new album simultaneously to touring as opposed to then the traditional tour album tour album cycle 
you know, where you get back from tour, take a rest, and then, all right, time to get back to work on the next album. Mm. You know, like, on some ways, I guess it's got to be nice to know that even though you probably busted your asses putting that together and doing that all at the same time, the work is done. <laughs> so maybe you can rest and relax a little bit more. I know you guys will be back out on tour again starting in, I think it's March, right? Yes. Yeah. What? The, uh, yeah, the next show we have is actually on my birthday. We're full. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, like I said before, it's anytime we have a break. Right. It's, um, it's not so much. I mean, Martin already sent me a, a photo, like the day he got back home of him in front of his computer writing new music. <laughs> so it, it's begun. I think the really creative types probably never really take a break and never really stop. You know, like they're just constantly making stuff. And, and when it comes time to record, they, they probably already have something ready to roll and they don't need to create it when it's time to make the album. You know, like it's time to make the donuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, like I just spoke with Neil Morse. So I'm like, I'm, I swear he's probably got a locker full of stuff. Anytime anybody goes, hey, dude, you want to record something? Okay, cool. Let me grab my, uh, get my locker here. And he just pulls out a whole bunch of things ready to roll because, you know, it's amazing how to me that people can just keep doing it. Just to have those reservoirs of creativity is amazing to me. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you, you gotta have to be some sort of an, of an obsessive personality or something to just keep going at it. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, the nature of it is that you need to come up with a hundred songs to get 10 good ones. You know, it's not every song is going to be a, is going to be a hit. Right. So you kind of take that into consideration and, you know, that means you got to be working all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And then every once in a while you, you run into a golden nugget and you work around that. Yeah. Maybe throw a couple golden nuggets together or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a a lot of work, but we love to do it. I mean, it's one of my favorite parts of the entire process is the writing process. Right. It's very hard. I mean, it's, uh, it's taxing, it's draining, but it's, it's um so so rewarding when you finally get something that sounds like oh shit this could be a song you know there you go after an entire day it just turds (laughs) (laughs) well it's always good to have a few things in reserve to be unreleased music for the eventual anniversary box set unreleased yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah there's a million demos that are never going to see the light of day. Right. Uh, there, there are some songs that, that, that we have recorded that, that, um, who knows, maybe we'll re- release them at some point. Yeah. But typically when we go in and start to write an album, we trash all of the previous demos from all the other albums. We're always starting fresh. Nice. Okay. So there's never that, uh, some people will say like, oh, this just sounds like uh, extras from that album or extras from that. That's not true. All right. It's never like that. Um, yeah. Always starting fresh. Yeah. Because you have to, because you're in a completely different headspace. Uh, you have different goals and, and um, yeah, different, uh, a different thing you want to achieve with every album. So, right. And it's, uh, there's, there's a lot to be said for a don't look back attitude, you know, even if it's, whether it's, you know, not going back and digging into old creative stuff where you were, as you put it in a different headspace versus looking back with regret and things like that. I think the one thing that's always been consistent for the last several albums too, and, and I gather that's because it's important to you guys and or important to Joel is, is the the lean towards um social issues 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that there always seems to be, you know, this, this focus on, well, I, I stuck myself at the term and I can't get past it now, social issues. <laughs> yeah. 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 Talk about that a little bit. Cause it seems like you guys have that, that kind of attitude about, you know, hoping to shed light on things in the world that could improve or that people could be more aware of. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, for us, it's just a little bit hard to write about anything else. Like at the moment, I mean, I think it's really important that the music that you play, uh, has, um, a sort of message that everybody backs, yeah. you know, so that when you get up there, you, you really mean it. And I think the crowd can really feel that when you really mean it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we always joke that it's, you know, it's, it's no time. There's no, it's not, not the time to write about dragons and shit. You know, it's, um, the world is fucked up on, on many levels. And so, you know, we have a platform, right. To talk about some of these issues. Um, we have, uh, we have a platform that allows people to come together and, you know, in the, in the name of, of music and, you know, they can, everybody can meet in the middle somewhere. You know, you, you imagine when you, when you're in a, in a crowd of people at a concert, There must be uh, a thousand different political views and ideologies in the crowd, you know. But finally, they're all standing together and not trying to fucking kill each other for a second, right? Because the reality is that a lot of the world's issues are affecting everybody in the same way. We have a lot more in common than the media makes it out to believe, makes it out for us to believe and um and when you see all of these different types of people taking in the messages of our music in the same way you really just i mean it's touching to us but it makes you sort of realize that like you know a lot of these problems are so so universal and um and yeah, I think people are just really appreciating the fact that um, that that we're bringing that, that we're talking about, yeah. and um, and it, it is. I mean, the 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 things that fans say to us. I mean, it's just it's uh, <clears throat> it's incredible. I mean, it's the way that music helps people yeah the way that people the way that music helps people understand that they're not alone in the ways that they feel or the issues that they're facing and the hope that they get from you know being in a crowd of like-minded people or or having a band scream these issues out i think is just very important yeah i have to think that is probably a large portion of the reason your fans connect with you as they do is, is they recognize that there is that passion there, you know, behind all the music, you know, that it, it is absolutely not superficial music in any way, shape or form, that there's some really deep thoughts and some serious messages there, which, you know, for me, I connect with that personally and in many ways, you know, like I'm not, as you as you mentioned, like I'm not one that's going to be really, really big on songs about dragons. Not that there are great ones about dragons. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm not, on average, big on songs that are singing about rock and rolling. Yeah, there, there's some great ones. Um, but you know, my core is always going to be, and I bring this up all the time. But forgive me, I'm a Rush hit. I've always been Rush. You know, yeah. so I mean, when that's the core of my sensibilities of course i'm going to have that kind of intellectual viewpoint of things and music with some sort of message uh whether directed at the individual or directed at society at large always resonate 
with me, probably more so than anything else. But, you know, so I, I can really appreciate that approach. Yeah. 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 I'm with you, man. I mean, Russia as an example, I mean, just the, I mean, it's, uh, it's lyrics with substance. Yeah. Um, you can really dive into it and there's a lot of strong messages in there. And, uh, and yeah, I think, I think now more than ever, if you have sort of a platform, you, you have to use it for the good. The world just needs it. So, um, I mean, it's not to say that every song we're going to do is going to be completely, uh, political or whatever. There's a lot of personal shits on, on each solid record. Yeah. Um, you know, it's important to have that kind of, um, that kind of lyrical substance as well, because, um, we all go through <laughs> very uh, you know, dark times or whatever, whatever it might be, at a more personal. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just, we write about real shit. It's just real stuff, real stuff. And I like to be in a band that writes about real stuff. Because uh, <clears throat> depending on the day, you know, playing different songs might resonate with me in a different way than it never has before. And I get to actually express myself live um, and feel that live as well. And, you know, have that that reciprocal feeling with the, with the fans as well. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So on that heavy note, I guess the one thing I'll ask is do you plan to take it easy for the next four months or are you just going to be working hard? Um, I mean, I'm going to be working hard. I mean, you know, these kinds of, these kinds of breaks don't happen very often. And so there's almost, uh, I'm almost feeling like this pressure to do everything that I've been wanting to do for the past like couple of years, you know? Right. Uh, maybe work on some of my own stuff maybe work on some of no mistakes in space stuff. Um, I'm just excited to be able to be home and like just work out every day and then cook nice meals and, uh, do that kind of thing. Uh, see my friends. I mean, I've barely seen some of my best friends uh, in the past fucking four years, you know, but, um, you know, spend time with family, like to travel out to see some friends in BC. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of shit I'd like to get done in these four months. And of course I'm going to be working on sewing stuff as well. Sure. We, we have a, a bunch of um, plans in the works, not only to, I mean, we want to start recording some new music or not recording, but working on some new music, but also, um, we're thinking about, you know, extra content and stuff for, for the fans. And cool. so, yeah, lots of work to be had, lots of work to be done, lots of things to do. So I'm just gonna, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm not a person who can just like sit down for a fucking second and enjoy themselves. Like it's, I think I'm my father's child's like go, go, go all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Hey, as long as you enjoy it, that's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, do. I do. Well, I hope this break is enjoyable for you. I know that the rest of the folks in the Philly area, plus myself, are looking very forward to seeing you in May. Yeah. So that'll be awesome. It's a lot shorter drive. Yeah, <laughs> of an hour and a half to Baltimore, I can go 15 minutes into into the city. Right on. Right That's on. very cool. So, first time in Philly for you guys, right? That's right. Yeah, excellent. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Very looking forward to that. And you enjoy your breaks, sir. I thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. I, I hope the album continues to be exceedingly successful for you. And I hope the tour is as well when you guys get started. Thanks so much. I 
look forward to actually, yeah, seeing you there in Philly and uh, catch up, have a beer or something. That would be awesome, man. Very cool. All right. Take care, my friend. Take it easy. As I said, I always enjoy the conversations with Cody. He's so insightful and he's so thoughtful and at the same time emotive when he talks about his craft of playing guitar, where his influences come from and how someone puts their music together and what really is important to them in the process of creating new music and albums. So it's very cool to just sit down and chat with him. Cody, I want to thank you once again for your time and talking to me. It's always a pleasure and I wish you guys the best of luck with the upcoming tour and as much as Memorial has gotten it's much due critical acclaim. I hope that its financial and sales success absolutely matches that because it's much deserved. Thank you very much for your time and pass along my thanks to the guys of Sewing just for being part of the band and, and helping make the music that I enjoy and that a lot of people really enjoy very much. Meanwhile, don't forget, check me out on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, slash threads, and the artist formerly known as Twitter. You can just do a quick search for Bleeding Edge Interview Show and it'll come right up. Don't forget, you can also see video versions of these interviews on YouTube as well, as well as a smattering of other fun stuff like reaction videos and some top 10 lists that I'll be working in pretty soon. Just go search Bleeding Edge Interviews on YouTube. And if you want to fill your day with some great progressive rock and metal, don't forget to head to Live 365 and tune into The Expanse. From the classic to the brand new, the mellow to the metal, you will find it all there 24-7. Thanks once again for listening to Bleeding Edge Interviews. This is Super Dave reminding you, don't be afraid to deviate from the norm. Always push your boundaries. This is Super Dave, signing off. Bleeding Edge Interviews.